Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. What's up? And welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Open phone line for you as always, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. It's a telephone number. Follow me on Instagram, IGJHood. Follow the station, ESPN 1000, at ESPN underscore Chicago. It's cathartic for me to be able to be with you every night at 7 o'clock because of the stories that we know what's going on in our world with COVID-19. I'm watching the coverage just like you are, and I feel like if we follow what the medical experts are saying, that we can get through this as we are hashtag alone together. Um, it is um, devastating that what we're seeing on a daily basis with COVID-19. I was just talking to Eric, uh, producing our show tonight, about um, the coverage and the news that we just continue to see. And I will just say this, that if we continue to do what the medical doctors and the experts are saying, the experts, not just some random person on Facebook or just some politician, it's got to be what the medical experts are saying. And we can be able to get through this as we're alone together um, through this very difficult time. But whether it's COVID-19 or something personal in your life or in my life, we got to keep moving forward. And I'm going to give you that distraction the next three hours, talking sports and entertainment uh, the way you like it right here on ESPN 1000. So we will start here. We're always guest-free in our first hour unless there's breaking news. And, of course, with so many postponements, we haven't had a lot of breaking news lately. So we talk about some of the storylines that's going to lead up to the sports when we do get sports again, like the Bears. Ryan Pace, as the general manager of the Bears, is staking his reputation, or what's left of his reputation, on Nick Foles. It just came across around 4 o'clock this afternoon officially that the Bears made it their trade for Nick Foles and Foles officially as a Bear based on the press release that came across. You and I knew about this, obviously, during the um, the NFL going back and forth with their trades and free agency. But officially, the Bears have said that Nick Foles is part of the mix. So Ryan Pace is stick, taking his reputation on everything, everything right now in trying to get the Bears back to the top of the mountain, trying to get them back to the top of the north. The choice of Trubisky is polarizing from the beginning, as you well know. When you consider Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and their success, and you compare that to what Trubisky has done, it's not even close. They will always be linked together. Maybe at some point it's going to be a 30 for 30, where we see Patrick Mahomes and leading the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl, a team in which Matt Nagy once was on that coaching staff and now with the Bears. He leaves Kansas City, goes to the Bears for his opportunity finally to be a head coach of the National Football League and leads the Bears to a 12-4 and record. And I will say that Nagy led them like the Bears' defense led them because Nagy did a lot of moving some deck chairs around, the old shell game on the L, moving some things around just to be able to get the Bears to be a competent offense. And then last year, when the reins were released, and it was all on Mitch Trubisky and the offense to get it done, the personnel wasn't great, and the offensive play calling wasn't great, and Mitch Trubisky was not great either. As I mentioned, the choice of Trubisky is polarizing, not just now, but from the beginning. 
The choice of foals without question is urgent. It is so urgent right now because the pressure is on Ryan Pace in a really big way. I thought the athletic.com did a really good piece of really being able to illustrate what is going on with Pace and the Bears. A piece that is written by Ed Malyon from TheAthletic.com. The piece is entitled, Malyon in Chicago, Ryan Pace Stakes What's Left of His Reputation on Nick Foles. There's no doubt in my mind that everything, all the chips to mill the table to try to get this thing right. The thing is, is that when I say Nick Foles, does it sound like I'm talking about a quarterback for the Bears that's going to be around for five or ten years? Or am I thinking of someone that's just a band-aid to what is going on offensively with this Bears team? When the news came across, I told you when I got back on the air with you that I just thought that the Foles move was necessary for competition. Was it to win a Super Bowl? Well, Foles has been there and done that. There's no doubt. But the question is is that what is really the point? The point is, is that A, you want to have competition with Trubisky, but B, you want someone to be able to let Trubisky know that it's just not going to be his job in 2020. Let's take a look at the column, because I thought it was some interesting points that were made. So, honestly, watching a Bears game in Chicago, in, in the bar, you hear Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson more than half the Bears players. Long story short, there was a championship-caliber talent offense and defense in the 2017 draft, but Trubisky wasn't. The Bears didn't just pass on Mahomes and Watson. They traded up and paid a third rounder, another third rounder, and a fourth round pick to pass on Mahomes and Watson. Those actual picks turned into all pro running back Alvin Kamara. The Saints traded a 2018 second round pick to San Francisco to move up to take him. Linebacker Fred Warner, who started in the Super Bowl, and Seattle's starting safety, Tedrick Thompson, who was taken a pick before the Bears took the superior Eddie Jackson. I want you to just think about that just for a second. Let's let that just sink in for a moment. The Bears didn't just pass on Mahomes and Watson, which is going to be the drumbeat forever as long as Trubisky is a quarterback in this league. They traded up and paid a third-rounder, another third-rounder, and a fourth-round pick to pass on Mahomes and Watson. And it turns into Alvin Kamara, a solid running back, as you well know, Fred Warner, who played in the Super Bowl, and started in the Super Bowl, and Thompson, and a pick again, you'd rather have Eddie Jackson probably than Tedrick Thompson. So the evaluation of the player from the GM with the scouting background was botched. But it also was very expensive. Some thoughts there in that piece from The Athletic, and it makes a lot of sense. You have to roll the dice at times as a GM. I totally get that. You get that, too. Sometimes it's not cool to just be safe. We just love our picks. We just love our our core. We're just going to stick with our core. That's like the Chicago Bulls. You don't have to do that. Sometimes you have to be able to do that to try to get your team in a position to win. But if you're going to roll that dice, you've got to be able to win. You want that money to be able to go your way if you roll the dice and win. Also in this piece, when Pace bet the house on Trubisky, he whiffed on the draft pillar. In burning those extra picks, he whiffed on the trade pillar. And I want to go through what he's talking about when he talks about these pillars. In terms of personnel for which Pace is responsible, it means utilizing all three pillars of 
team building. That is the draft, free agency, and trades. Draft, free agency, and trades to improve your roster to the point where it can beat all the others. And again, when you review what Pace has done, when Pace bet the house on Trubisky, so that draft pillar, that's gone because Trubisky obviously is not the guy because that's why they brought in Nick Foles. It's one thing for competition. It's another one to replace him. They want the money that was doled out to Foles in this spot where the book, the Bears are on the hook for this. And so there's a reason why Foles will be in the mix for the Bears when we start football again. In burning those extra picks, he whiffed on the trade pillar, losing valuable assets with which he could have improved depth. When he paid Mike Glennon, uh, guaranteed $19 million to be his number one quarterback, he whiffed on the free agency pillar. So all of those things, when you take a look at, in its entirety, the things that Pace has done, Pace has been able to hit a few doubles, maybe a triple here and there, with some of the picks that he's made, either through free agency and the draft. But when it comes to what's happening now in 2020, it is about offense. It's about getting the quarterback right. It's about getting the offensive weapons right. If this does not work, this could very well be the end of Pace and also Matt Nagy. Just like that, because of the unknown. Here's what the unknown is. No one talks about this, but I'll be the first to talk about it. As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You know what the great unknown is? The great unknown is that I don't know what is going through Virginia McCaskey's head. Every game we see with the Bears, they always flash maybe just one shot of Virginia McCaskey in a press box. You've seen this in some luxury suite. Whether it's home or road, she's always there. And they flash, oh, there's Virginia McCaskey. Ah, the great McCaskey family, the Hallis family. of this, the rich tradition of the National Football League runs through Virginia McCaskey and George Hallis. And then they take the camera off and they go back to the field. But where is that key interview, that sit-down with Virginia McCaskey? That's something that I've never read. It's something that we probably will never read. Of what is going through her mind. That's the white whale. That's what you want. You'd love to know what's going through her mind. Because she's in charge of all of this. Yeah, we talk so much about Pace and Nagy and talk about the McCaskey family in general. We talk about Ted Phillips here and there. But what is going through her mind? The great white whale of interviews. Yeah, you could tell that she's probably not happy and probably wants to see a Super Bowl before she passes away, actually winning a Super Bowl championship. But this back and forth of firing coaches and having a different regime and having different philosophies, and yet the Packers and the Vikings are getting it right and the Bears can't, that's just got to be weighing on her and members of the McCaskey family. I say this all the time with the Reinsdorfs, with Michael Reinsdorf, and Eric's tired of me saying this, but it still holds true. The idea that you have millions and millions of dollars, and you've got a big house on the biggest side of town, and you have generational wealth, and you have to worry about money, is one thing. To be able to own a franchise, I mean, that is just swag, right? That's complete swag. You could be able to walk anywhere, and people recognize you as an owner of a team. 
But it, there is a sense of embarrassment I would have personally, maybe to those that have that type of money. It doesn't matter if they fail or if they succeed, but I just could not be one of the McCaskies or even Ted Phillips and just be able to walk around and say, yes, I work with the Chicago Bears. And yes, we're the team that's uh, underwhelming more times than not because we can't get the quarterback right. Because even though we're in a world-class city and there's Bears fans all over the world, we just can't repay Bears fans enough with winning because we just continue to just trick it off with, with bad uh, GM after bad head coach after bad personnel. We just trick it off all the time, more times than not. Franchises cannot be successful all the time. There's always going to be a, a step back here or there. But the Bears, they do it well and do it better than anybody else. And the team that drives the bus in this city, the Bears, you would think that at some point they would try to get it right on them, not just for a year, not just for a couple of years, but on a regular basis. Unfortunately, they can't do that. So the focus is on Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky once we do get football again. Howard Griffith, the two-time Super Bowl champion and part of the Big Ten Network, he's focused on the Bears as well. I asked him the other night about the comparison uh, and taking a look at Nick Foles, what he could bring to the table versus Trubisky. It, it raises the level. One of the best competitions I ever had playing was with someone you, you will probably remember, but Bob Christian went to yeah. Northwestern. We were both fullbacks in the Carolina Panthers, and we competed, and it brought the best out of both of us. And I think that's what you need to be able to do, have a legitimate competition where you're going to be able to go in. And that's why I said both quarterbacks have to be able to work with ones, twos, and threes legitimately. So when the reps at the end of training camp, if we have a training camp, when you get to the end of that, you're able to go back and look at the reps. And it's never going to be equal, but you can say this is how each player moved the team in certain situations. So now that becomes – the onus becomes on the coaching staff to make sure that they put them in those situations as opposed to just saying, hey, who's going to be the winner and you got to take his job? Because that's, that's not a true competition. If you've already decided who's going to be the starting quarterback – the Chicago Bears, you've already lost uh, that quarterback competition. Some interesting comments there from Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network and watching closely what's going on with the Bears. And I will not hot take it, and I never do, but I'm not going to hot take it and tell you that this full situation is going to be a failure, that the Bears will fail, and this upcoming season is going to uh, go in the wrong direction, and, and we're going to see some firings here. All I know is that it's urgent, as a you-know-what. It's urgent for the Bears to be able to get on top and be able to be a perennial winner in the NFC North. The Vikings have been able to turn the ship around and you take a look at the Green Bay Packers. Well, we know the story there. We don't, I don't need to go even a step further on how dominant the Packers have been in the North. So it's on the Bears to be able to get this done. More unfolds now from Austin Lane. Austin Lane is a former Bear. He now is a talk show host on the afternoons for ESPN Jacksonville. And there's a connection there. The reason why I put Austin on the show is because he's a friend of the program, one. But two, the other reason why is because Nick Foles was in Jacksonville last year. So I went to what I thought was an expert in Lane who played the game, who watched Foles that entire year when Gardner Minshew took over. And I asked him whether or not he feels that Foles is in a position to win the starting job. To be honest with you, man, I'm a little surprised that the Bears did go in the Foles' direction. 
not because, you know, that the sample size last year in Jacksonville was so small, but just from the standpoint of I feel like Ryan Pace has to let Mitch Trubisky play because if Mitch Trubisky gets benched for Nick Foles, what does that say about your GM, right? You, you, I think you guys already cut Leonard Floyd. And, you know, right. you, they invested a lot in the first round for Leonard Floyd. And don't, don't forget how much you guys invested in Mitchell Trubisky. So if that plan doesn't work out, they always say the, you know, the, the quarterback position is always tied to the GM. What does it say about Ryan Pace? Now, to answer your question, do I see Nick Foles pushing, you know, maybe Mitch Trubisky out of the starting spot? I absolutely do. Okay, because I think with what Nick Foles has, obviously, he's got the leadership. He's got the locker room experience. And I honestly think he's going to Chicago, and it's his spot to lose right now. You, you, you want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky, you know, obviously playing in a Matt Nagy offense, which is so offensive-oriented, right? He, he comes from Andy Reid. Andy Reid's system and everything in his coaching tree, they know the quarterback position. And I feel like if you haven't got anything from Mitchell Trubisky now, what makes you think you're going to get something from this season? So I actually think it's going to be – Nick Foles' job to lose. Now, obviously, he has to come in. He has to perform well. He has to earn that starting spot away from Mitch. But I think right now, the way the cards are on the table, and assuming Nick Foles is healthy, I think it's his. I, I think it's going to be his job to, to be to be a starter. So Austin Lane, former Bear and talk show host from ESPN Jacksonville, with his perspective on Foles and Trubisky. Coming up next, we will talk more about Mitch Trubisky. The comparison for Mitch Trubisky historically as a quarterback in the NFL, it is frightening. I'll tell you how scary. Coming up next on Under the Hood. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app, glad that you're with me here on this Tuesday night. It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday night. Every Tuesday at 9.30, we give you the best in pro wrestling conversation. It's WrestleMania week if you're a wrestling fan, so we will have Richard Deitch on from TheAthletic.com getting his thoughts. He's a big wrestling fan and also a media critic. Um, we'll get his thoughts uh, coming up at 9.35, all part of our WrestleMania week. We have a number of guests this week regarding wrestling. We'll get to, uh, again, 9.30 tonight. If you're a wrestling fan of Norb One, tell them to ch- tune in for our Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday segment. So Mike Sando has always got a column I'm interested in. Every time you see Mike Sando, who used to work for ESPN, now working with TheAthletic.com, he's always got a column I look forward to because that column is the quarterback tiers. And he does a great job breaking down quarterbacks just based on the conversations he has with former quarterbacks, former NFL personnel people, and he's able to put all of those opinions into columns. And he's done this for a long time now, so I always trust what he writes. And the piece he wrote earlier this month is, as Mitch Trubisky heads into his fourth year, which past quarterbacks are the best comparisons? Now, when you read that, headline it's scary right because we look at a quarterback that was part of a 12 and 4 season an 8 and 8 season and before i even go into the column on the surface there is maybe this feeling for some that wait i mean trubisky went 8 and 8 and the team was just okay but are you already going to start giving up on mitch trubisky well we talk about the urgency of where the Bears are based on a strong defense, strong enough defense to be able to hold you in ball games and over the last couple of seasons. And so 
you just don't want the defense to regress, go the wrong direction. Even with Khalil Mack on it, even with Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller and others on it, you just don't want it to go in the wrong direction. And so that's why every year is urgent, especially when you are on the precipice of getting into a wild card. Now, of course, the extra wild card's coming soon here for the NFL, but that, that, the, the whole point is to be consistent as a franchise, to find the offensive weapons that you need to move forward, not just for this upcoming season, but moving forward. So that's why there's Foles is here, because uh, I think that Ryan Pace sees what you see, is that, okay... Mitch is our quarterback, but here's Nick Foles. (laughs) It's a lie, right? Mitch is our quarterback, but here's someone we're going to pay for and take care of in Nick Foles because he's been there and done that. And that's a hell of a lot better than Chase Daniel, for sure. Uh, So the Sando piece, as Mitch Trubisky heads into his fourth year, which past quarterbacks are the best comparison? So I start going into the piece. You know, he talks about the, the Bears sound like they'll embrace a fourth season of Mitch Trubisky, despite failing to reach even 17 points in 43% of his career starts, an unusual poor percentage. Even if the Bears add competition or insurance for Trubisky, which they have, which seems likely, the hottest topic in Chicago sports begs for historical comparisons. Well, here's what we know. We knew this before I, I even read the column. The Bears have a hard time scoring. That's why we're talking about this here on this Tuesday night, because before getting into the comparisons, let's revisit the stat about Trubisky failing to reach even 17 points in 43% of his starts. The, the, I'm seeing this table that they have here below that looks at the quarterbacks. They're, look at the quarterbacks over the past three seasons by percentage of starts when their team scored at least 17 points, including the playoffs. Trubisky ranks 22nd among 23 quarterbacks with at least 32 regular season and postseason starts over the past three seasons. So, between 2017 and 2019, Trubisky ranks 22nd among 23 quarterbacks with at least 32 regular season and postseason starts over the past three years. I look at this list, right? In front of me, I have at the top of the list... It's a stab in the side when I tell you it's Patrick Mahomes, right? That's number one. 97% of the starts were 17 points or more. I mean, it's an offense tailored for points and production and explosiveness. We saw this all year. Led the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl. 97% of Patrick Mahomes' starts are have 17 or, or more points. 91% of his starts go to Drew Brees. 88% of the starts with 17 or more points. Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson is five at 87%. Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston, part of the 30-30 club, 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns. Jameis Winston, 86%. Tom Brady is on this list at seven. Carson Wentz of Philadelphia, Russell Wilson of Seattle, Jared Goff of the Rams at nine, Philip Rivers, is on this list as well at 84%. You keep going down the list of Matt Ryan from Atlanta and Cam Newton and Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford and Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott from Dallas and Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, of all people, right? Joe Flacco, uh, Eli Manning, Case Keenum, and then you get to Mitch Trubisky. Even worse than Trubisky on this list, by the way, at 57%, the last person on this list is Derek Carr. 
of the Raiders. You know, Derek Carr, the cornerback that the Raiders were looking to try to uh, maybe get rid of or push to the side, and they cannot make a deal for Tom Brady. So, again, time will still tell on what they're going to do with the Raiders, but the point is, is that Trubisky is 22nd out of 23rd. The comp is really frightening. It's a name I hadn't heard in a while, but the search for comparisons for Trubisky involves finding teams that, like the Bears of 2019, struggle on offense with a highly drafted first-round young quarterback still on his rookie contract. Five other teams over the past decade fit the description of to varying degrees. Like the Bears, they've averaged 16 to 18 offensive points per game, which typically ranks toward the bottom third of the National Football League, as we just documented, right? The Bears were 29th last season, 16.5 offensive points a game. They scored 21 against Oakland in the one game Trubisky missed. That was Chicago's fourth highest total for offensive points last season. And then when you scroll down to the Trubisky comparisons, talking about quarterbacks in their first deal, right? Mitch Trubisky, 16.5 points a game. Ranks with Josh Freeman of the Buccaneers. It's a name we have not heard in a while. I do recall a time where Josh Freeman was kind of a hot name, played well for the Buccaneers for like a cup of coffee, and then you didn't hear from him anymore. There's a reason. Josh Freeman. And that is going back to 2011. Other names on this list is Sam Bradford. And Ryan Tannehill, the Dolphins, you know, Ryan Tannehill, who's rich now, who got who got paid a ton of money to just hand the football off with the Tennessee Titans. Um, Jake Locker is on this list, and Josh Allen in 2018 for the Bills. Trubisky's on that list as well, though. That is something. The, the comparison is Josh Freeman to Mitch Trubisky. Here's the one thing that I'll say now, and I'll say whenever the season starts that it is on Mitch Trubisky to prove everybody wrong, including me. It's on Mitch Trubisky to be able to turn this thing around and say, no matter that I only started 12, 13 games in college with North Carolina and very few in high school, I've got to be able to turn this around. And I've got to be able to look at the weapons that's in front of me now, no matter the aging Jimmy Graham or whoever they're going to have a tight end along with Graham, uh, whatever they're going to do with the running game. These are the weapons I have. And now I've got to push it forward. He's got to be able to compete. It's really interesting. Again, whenever football returns, it's interesting that uh, there will not be the opportunity to see the Bears practice on a regular basis, like back in Bourbon A or even... um, uh, l- looking back and watching these practices. And again, these are just practices, but people were able to see live at training camp to see how the bears were reacting. And Trubisky was kept under glass and all those exhibition games. You couldn't see what was going on because oh, Trubisky's fine. He doesn't have to play these preseason games. He'll get hurt. You got to protect him. And you protected what? When we saw the bears take on the Packers that opening night, <laughs> what were you really protecting? The offense was so putrid and so embarrassing in front of a national television audience. It's up to Trubisky to stick it all up all our backsides and say, you know what? I got this. There was a little edge from Trubisky here and there. One of the TVs turned off and some things that he was saying there. Uh, I think he's trying to blow off a little steam with the media here and there last year because 
of his frustration on what he perceives is an offense that could be better. I mean, better from Nagy's standpoint. You you heard the soundbite. We, we have to go through it, but you could tell that Trubisky was twisting the knife a little bit on Nagy's, talking about moving the pocket and some things that he wants to do. Well, guess what? Just like how it's urgent for Pace, it's urgent for Trubisky as well. Because there is no Chase Daniel closer to a broadcaster than a quarterback that's going to be in that quarterback room. Now, it's up to Trubisky to prove Foles and everybody else wrong. Like, this is my team, and I'm going to carry it. All, all I can say is, we'll see what happens. All I know is that there was some protection and some things that were there for Trubisky in year one. And in year two, they allowed him to go about it and try to get it done. He couldn't get it done. So now we will find out. I don't count the John Fox here. That didn't make sense. <laughs> John Fox was not going to be the guy to get Trubisky right. But the focus is, is how this Bears team with Trubisky, if he's a quarterback, how can he get it right? If Foles is a starter, he's a starter. But if Trubisky's going to be in there with the football in his hands, he better pay dividends or he will never be a regular starter in this league again. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Um, Nick Foles had some comments about uh, his status in the National Football League. Of course, he's part of the Bears. Now, we'll hear from Nick Foles. And see, where is Nick Foles amongst the best quarterbacks in the NFL? We'll address that next right here with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 on Under the Hood. Download that ESPN Chicago app. Have you done that yet? Come on, you got. can't tell me you don't have time. Download the ESPN Chicago app, whether it's uh, iPhone or Android. Just look for ESPN Chicago in the, uh, the old app store there and uh, download it. That way you can hear all your favorite shows on ESPN 1000, including mine, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Also, there is a... Uh, a link there to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well. It's it's all there. You can listen live right there. So if you haven't, if you haven't done so, check it out. The ESPN Chicago app is so easy to navigate, and uh, hope that you download that today. It's glad that you're in today. We're talking about the Bears and uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles, for the first time, has been speaking on a number of things here. First of all, Eric, I did not even know Chase Daniel, former Bears quarterback, now with the Lions, had his own podcast. I just discovered this today. I did not know either. I've seen him co-host on a radio show before, and he was really good. So I'm not surprised that he's going to try to cut his chops with the podcast. Did not did not know that. And so how timely is it that Chase Daniel got a chance to talk to quarterback Nick Foles? So Daniel, who was the backup last year, has his podcast. He has Nick Foles on. So there's a number of things that was talked about in this podcast, including um, uh, his off-season regiment. After the season, um, you know, I was coming back from an injury. I was on IR to return. And then um, it was just a bunch of trials at the end of the season, just trial after trial. And, you know, it didn't go as I had planned. Um, but I went into the off season um, extremely hungry, um, as always, but even more so hungry just because of how things happened. And I had I've always wanted to do like a Ironman. Um, I won't probably do it while I'm playing because we obviously sign our lives away in our contracts. But 
um, I approached my training as Ironman training. So I, I developed a plan um, and it got to the point where like one of my last workouts of doing this training was like a 9.18 mile run, a 3,300 yard swim and, uh, you know, probably an hour and a half on the bike. And that was sort of my last taste of it because there was things that happened and obviously everything that's been going on in the world to where um, I try to just get an hour workout in it five days a week right now, four or five days a week, and just try to be efficient. So Nick Foles is talking about his off-season regimen to get ready, especially during this time here with COVID-19, and, and all the players have to get themselves ready whenever the bell rings uh, for the NFL. We'll get more from Nick Foles in just a moment. So I was telling you earlier about that quarterback tier column from uh, that's really good every year comes out uh, from Mike Sando. So I, I dug through the archives and was looking through this and looking for it, and I finally found it, right? This is the quarterback tiers. This usually comes out before the season. This is the um, compilation of quarterbacks before the season last year. So, again, this is when Sando talks to all these executives and players and former players about who's the best uh, in the NFL when it comes to quarterback play. And the tier one in the quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers was in that tier one along with Tom Brady. Uh, and and Drew Brees was in that tier one. So was Patrick Mahomes. Andrew Luck was there before the season, of course. Philip Rivers was part of that tier one list. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Russell Wilson. So those are the, the best of the best, according to those that have uh, been around the game. Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, uh, Luck went right before he uh, called it quits after the Bears played the Colts, um, Mahomes, Breeze, Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. So you go through this list here, and you go through the Tier 2 of these quarterbacks before the season last year. Matt Ryan was a Tier 2 quarterback, so was Carson Wentz. Uh, number 11 here was Matt Stafford as a Tier 2 quarterback. Deshaun Watson was Tier 2. So was Jared Goff. So was Baker Mayfield, surprisingly, at number 14. And then you get to Tier 3, the third tier of quarterbacks in the National Football League. Cam Newton was a Tier 3 quarterback. Can make... Can you make everybody around you better consistently? I don't think that he is that great right now, according to one scout according on Cam Newton. Tier 3 quarterback, number 15 overall. Also in the Tier 3 was Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, and Hall. Also in Tier 3, Nick Foles. Here's a quote about Nick Foles. Foles drew 18 second-tier votes, which trailed only Newton, among players in their third tier. Some voters weren't sure whether he was a great relief pitcher or legitimate starter. He might be the greatest four of all time, one GM joked. Um, a head coach said that he thought the more foals prepared, the worse he got. That seemed like a harsh asset assessment, but even foals supporters agreed there was truth to the thinking. It wasn't a criticism of Foles as much as it was a prescription of how to use him best. There's a quote. It says, Foles was actually better at basketball than football, and there is almost a basketball mentality on how he plays, according to one executive. He's real smart, but he can be a little bit like Favre, where it just, it, it's don't make it too complicated. Just let him play. Don't give him a lot of things to think about. I think Foles can carry a team in the right situation, but he might be the ultimate relief pitcher. Two defensive coaches who faced the Eagles last season uh, thought that Foles was Philadelphia's best quarterback at the time. 
I respect the the S, the ish out of Foles, one of those coaches said. I would have rather played Carson Wentz last year. It just felt like Foles didn't make the mistakes that Wentz made on film. I do not know if it was that Wentz was coming off the ACL, but Foles is just confident. And I also thought that he spread the ball around better. That's the, the thought on Nick Foles, as we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So interesting thoughts there about Nick Foles. Maybe I think he could carry a team in the right situation, but he might be the ultimate relief pitcher. Who knows? Who knows? I know one thing. Either he's going to be the starter or the backup. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be when the season starts, but Foles has been that backup for a while uh, and has come in. Of course, he's got a Super Bowl ring. So one of the great accomplishments for Nick Foles, and it's in his book. And by the way, Eric, is is that book still available? Can I still get that book uh, in our bullpen? I was going to say, matter of fact, we've got like a stack of four of them right here. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We have them here. Surprised you haven't sold any of those yet on your own. (laughs) I started getting them on eBay. (laughs) <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't done that. You know, I, I, when I saw it in there, it's like, wait, there's a stack of four, like, out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know where they came from, but there's like four or five of them just stacked up in our newsroom here. Did we always have those and they were just stuffed in a corner? Or did someone, just, you know, in Foles, in his circle, decided, hey, you know what, Foles is a bear now. We need to have people read his book. Yeah, I think someone sent them our way once once Foles became a Chicago Bear. I really I do, because I haven't seen him around before <laughs> until it's, now. It's a whole stack of them. I like, know. What, like, what is this? Like, who asked for a Nick Foles book? Was it me? Anyway, so uh, going back to 2013, Nick Foles had a great game, right? One of the best games that a quarterback could ever have. He had seven touchdowns in one game. Uh, Foles, seven touchdown passes uh, for the Eagles on a 49-20 to victory over the Raiders. Tied an NFL record held by Sid Luckman of the Bears. Among others, George Blandon when he played for Houston. Y.A. Tittle uh, for the Giants. Joe Cap for the Vikings. Uh, Peyton Manning of the Broncos. And then Nick Foles right there. Seven touchdowns in the game, which is just a tremendous feat. Some thoughts from Nick Foles on how that seven-game touchdown uh, performance gave him faith to just keep on playing. The week before that game, we played the Giants, and I was actually in concussion protocol from a concussion I suffered against the Dallas Cowboys the week prior um, early in that game. And I remember uh, going to the Oakland game, obviously, as a cross-country trip. Um, I think our offense hadn't scored a point in two weeks, so we were really, really struggling offensively. And, uh, you know, it was sort of one of those things where I went to chip before the game and, you know, there were some different things with the reads and um, way I played that I felt uncomfortable with. And I basically asked him, like, hey, like, this is how I see these plays. What do you think? And, you know, he basically said, like, you have the green light. Go do your thing. Read it how you want to read it. Let's see what happens. And I remember going in that game and, you know, I was really struggling um, – which I've gone through a couple of times in my career. And really the, the final time that changed everything was after the year in St. Louis. Um, but that was later um, before the Oakland game. Like I was struggling. I was like, man, God, it was another moment where I'm a like, man. Am I really doing the right thing? Like, do you want me playing football? Like, you know, it, like, is this what you want me to do? Or do you want me to do something else? And I think there's a lot of guys or uh, gals that go through their vocation and their job. It doesn't matter if you're an NFL athlete or you're doing something else where you're like, God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I remember going to the game and literally, you know, it was seven touchdowns in less than three quarters. And 
I remember just being present um, with the Lord in a sense of I had just come back from a concussion and you really don't expect much. You're just like, man, I just want to try to get some completion and get us going and help us as a team. We've really been struggling. Um, but it was that moment where I threw the seventh one. Um, I forget what point in the third quarter. And I, I literally like sat out part of the third and into the fourth, like didn't even play the fourth quarter. They should have um, let you get the whole record to yourself. Yeah, we were we were on fire, but it was one of those things where, like, it was crazy. Like, I would throw balls, and the DB would trip and fall, um, stuff like that. Like, it was like, what is going on? And I remember going in the locker room after the game and just sitting in the locker and sort of, like, sitting there and just thanking the Lord, but then just thinking, like, I think you want me to play football because that is ridiculous. And I remember going to my dad right there and just being like, man, I, I don't know what to say other than, like, the good Lord just showed like he's real because I can't do that. I don't have the ability to throw seven touchdowns in a game. I know everyone's going to write about it and say those things, but I'm telling you, I don't have the ability to do that. And But what I learned at that point, and obviously there were struggles going down the road with the St. Louis year and almost retiring, but that this isn't – we're blessed to play this game. We're blessed to have this platform, um, but we have to be good stewards of it. Um, we're, we're, we're in this position to be good stewards, and for you and I are both – you know, have the same belief, the same belief in Jesus Christ to represent him in all we do. And especially in times like we're going through right now. But that moment was something where I never and, I, and I'll tell you what, even in that moment, I still doubted. I doubted down the road if I should be doing this. And, you know, now I'm to the point in my career where um, I know the ministry is playing football and is playing this game. And I've ha- I have a totally new perspective of why I play um, from those early years and playing as a kid like and it, it's given it so much more meaning. And it's been moments like that that have allowed that to come to fruition. Thoughts there from Nick Foles on Chase Daniel's podcast. Um, wherever you download your podcast, look for Chase Daniel. And it's a good perspective on Nick Foles, the new Bears quarterback, um, talking about his faith and football and how all that comes together for him. All right, coming up. Oh, Eric. There he goes. Eric, <laughs> Eric made me watch something uh, this morning. And I watched it, and uh, I'll tell you what, that Tiger King, eh, we'll talk about it next. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. We'll hear from Bobby Carpenter coming up. At 8 o'clock, Bobby Carpenter is talk show host for our ESPN Columbus. Also, you see him featured on Get Up Talking Football. The Ohio State Buckeyes going to be with me coming up at 8 o'clock right here as we talk about the draft. Every night at 8 o'clock, we'll give you something bare, something draft as we get close to the NFL draft right here on Under the Hood. So, Eric. Yes, Jonathan. So. <laughs> so, Eric. <laughs> so, Eric. Eric decides, he tells me, we're going through this topic about um, about television shows during this quarantine and this uh, shelter in place, and we're just trying to figure out, like, what should we be watching? And Eric says that I need to be watching Tiger King. And, of course, I've, I've seen this. Look, I've been watching Ozark and other stuff on Netflix, so you can't help but to see every time you turn on Netflix, watch Tiger King. It's number one. It's number one. And you told me I need to watch this, Correct. I mean, it's one of those things you don't want to miss out on. Dude, let me tell you something. Start, after seeing what's going on with the ventilators and everything else that's going on with COVID-19, you got to get your news first to find out what's new in the news. And then I said, okay, 
so this morning I turned on Tiger King, right? Almost first thing this morning, I turned it on. And I watched the first three episodes of this thing. It's seven episodes. I watched the first three today. What a mind-blowing show. And I don't want to give out any spoilers of this, but it just shows you how crazy some people are when it comes to animals and uh, animal slash money. Right. right, and just greed, absolutely. Dude. It's it's hard to... So the last few days I've been trying to explain it. It's so hard to put this show into words. It really is. It is just... I don't know. It's TV on crack. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it just it, 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 these people are in this show is just are just amazing. Joe Exotic, and it just it makes me think about when they're going through and talking about how these animals have been on these late night talk shows. Letterman back in the day on the Tonight Show, Leno. All the Kimmel, all that stuff, and I, never, I always took it for granted. Like, oh, these animals, and usually these comes from zoos, but apparently they've also been on these shows too, bringing their animals there, right? Right. Apparently, Doc Antle is all over the place. Doc Antle. I, I've seen a bunch of uh, pictures of him with Britney Spears and her music videos with tigers and stuff like that. That was crazy, long-haired, soul patch Doc Antle. I, I, I'm watching this, and I'm just cursing you under my breath like what is eric having watch it what is the-? and it's like it's it's like the accident on the side of the road you just can't take your eyes off you can't it, right? it, it, and it just it just goes farther and farther down the rabbit hole and just crazier and crazier as it goes along <laughs> okay so zoo expert on the dan levitard show at stugatz is ron mcgill and he was um of course here's a guy here that loves animals if you've ever heard the levitard show every tuesday they've got a animal expert like ron mcgill that's on and um he knows these people from the tv show in the netflix show tiger king listen i haven't really learned anything more about it just you know the fact is that was a perfect train wreck makes great television just when you think it can't get any worse the next episode is worse um it's hard to believe that people like that really exist like i said before you couldn't write that stuff if you wrote it people would think that's too far-fetched they never even write it they never even follow through on it but these people existed and this guy this joe exotic guy and i don't care what anybody says that carol baskins they're 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 both totally out to lunch. I mean, I, I just, uh, it is a, it's a sad state of affairs because here's the problem I have with it, Dan, is that they didn't interview any good, credible people who work in the zoo industry. And people are going to watch that show and they're going to think that zoos are what they saw on television and they couldn't be any further from the truth. The fact is that these people, you know, they rip away baby animals just to take pictures and to sell photo opportunities with them. They don't care about the animals the way they say they care about the animals. They care about the money. And that is something that is terrific. And I don't want people to paint with a broad brush and think, oh, my God, all animal people are like that. Couldn't be any further from the truth. There's some really great, legitimate people who take fantastic care of the animals that are their responsibility and don't do any of that garbage that you saw, uh, not to mention all the others, you know, oh, my God, I don't even want to get into it because it's, it's hard to believe that that really happened. Uh, well, yeah, you're talking about the killing of tigers, I would imagine, which some of the that... The killing seemed... of tigers, and just the way... Come on, there was that one scene where you saw them literally ripping away an hours-old cub from the mother using, like, a broomstick or something, reaching through and pulling that cub away from the mother just so he could go and get it ready to take pictures with people for however much he was charging. It is sickening. It's disgusting. Eric, I'll just say this as we get ready to talk to B. Carp about the NFL draft. I winced every time there was someone getting close to a tiger's mouth. You're, you're constantly time. nervous about it, right? Every time. 
I mean, you learn right away you're watching, and in like the first episode, there's someone with half an arm, and then there's someone with no legs, and you're like, well, well, we know what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, we did find out with something. I mean, just I, I, I winced every time, like, oh my god, like I know that. You know, you're watching the ebb and flow of the show, and it's like, oh yeah, you can just.